the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we got a very busy day. I pre-recorded an interview with Congressman Troy Nails of Texas, and it's very long. I'm going to use uh, basically use almost uh, 20 minutes of time with him. So I have to just introduce that and take a break, and we'll be right back. So uh, sorry for that, but let me tell you, it's a great interview. He has written a book. Uh, on the January 6th on 2020 election. It's extraordinary. And he's a young guy. He's uh, a young, um, well, he's not too young, but he's a brand new to the Congress and he's fearless. Uh, he, for, he was eight years as a sheriff in a county in Texas, uh, 20 plus years as an army reservist. Uh, he's not afraid of much and he knows what he's doing and he's in Congress ready to fight. So he's got a great book called The Big Fraud and we'll talk with him about that. I just did the interview with him. Congressman Troy Nell's coming up. We'll talk with Ted Malik, uh, but we got to go right now. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. I have been looking forward to this interview uh, for a long time, uh, probably a month. We got a, I got this book, and then I scheduled this interview. It's be bouncing around. There's a lot going on. Congressman Troy Nels is uh, Congressman, I think it's Texas's, he'll correct me, 22nd District. He's uh, his, his background is in law enforcement and also a couple of decades in the Army Reserves. But what he's done right now is so helpful. He's written a book. It's called The Big fraud what democrats don't want you to know about january 6th the 2020 election and a whole lot else and uh it's really really helpful and uh welcome congressman nails to the program how are you today and good it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today so thank you and and well, all your listeners out there yeah thank you well thanks for coming on uh bombardier books we love bombardier books they do a lot of great stuff they're publishing this one so before we get into the book a little more deeply when you watch the select committee and you say to you, shake your head, I'm sure. And we should clarify, Congressman Nels was would have been on the select committee if, if there was even a, a modicum of of uh, of real uh, investigation going on. You know, if there was a real desire to have bipartisan uh, interest and a hard look, there's not. Um, he was one of the people that would have served. But when you look at that, what area and now you've written the book, you've, you've watched this. What area would you like to get? known more publicly like is there a line of questioning a line of where you say if people only realize this you know i know T- congressman thomas massey has been banging on the ray epstrom and and congressman Jer- jeremy raskin has i think embarrassed himself and the democrats but is there one aspect of this that you're looking at going man they're really ignoring this yeah yes and that's great and yes of the book the big fraud it's on amazon it's doing very well it's been endorsed by donald trump he said it's a a must read for all americans and two of the 10 chapters are related to January 6th. And to answer the question as it relates to what must the American people know about January 6th that they're not hearing from the sham committee. 
They're yeah. not hearing it. The committee's all about blaming Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump that caused these people to do this. It was Donald Trump that encouraged people to go in and, and cause an insurrection. It's all malarkey. What I state in the book and what I highlight in the book is that is that the Capitol Police, the leadership team, the intelligence section of the Capitol Police sent out these assessments back on December 15th, December 30th, January 3rd. And as those assessments continued up to January 3rd, the Capitol Police leadership team knew that it was going to get ugly up here. They knew. They knew that the Capitol itself was the target. They knew extremist groups, white supremacist groups are here. The hotels were booked to the camping areas. I mean, there were thousands upon tens of thousands of people up here. They had all the intelligence. They knew there was going to be violence and it was going to get really, really ugly. And they did nothing with it. They didn't share it. They didn't share it with their officers. When you look at some of the video that's been released, you see these Capitol Police officers. They have no shield. They have no protection. Why? Because they weren't told January 6th was going to have tens of thousands of people up here and that it was going to be uh, it was going to get ugly. And so there are things in in my book that kind of highlight that the timeline of Trump speaking when the first breach occurred. And think about this. Tens of thousands of people coming up here and your first breach, your first obstacle was a damn bicycle rack. That right. bicycle rack couldn't keep your cat in your yard. <laughs> We're talking with Congressman uh, Troy Nels about his book. It's called The Big Fraud. Um, let's get, let's go to the book a little bit. You and I were just talking off the air, and you said this chapter two is a favorite. And I, I, I again, I was blown away. When I, 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 listen, I listen to this book on my drive. I drive my sons to school every morning. I make them listen to stuff with me. I listen to this book back and forth, picking them up in the, in the evenings, back and forth. And the second chapter, which uh, you said is one of your your favorites not so short history of voter fraud suppression and manipulation by the democrats and then the party of slavery racism and jim crow now i knew that in fact i knew about tracy campbell wrote a book on the history of fraud which you cite in your book uh, he is a professor in kentucky or somewhere and in 2004 or 5 wrote this book lays it all out that there's been lots of fraud as you point out Almost every time. I mean, that we, there may be some Republicans that cheat. I guess there's always some uh, bad actors. But the, the systemic fraud and racism and, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, oppression of groups is Democrat. And you lay it out here. Were you surprised by that? I mean, I know you're a, Repo- a conservative, you but the law enforcement army. Were you surprised when you started looking at this to discover sort of how blatant it was? Well, we've known that Democrats, uh, they are good at, uh, with the dishonest media working for them. They're good at trying to, you know, confuse the American people with Jim Crow. They say that's a Republican deal. The KKK, all those are Republicans. So they like flipping the script and blaming it all on us. But when you look at the history of, of, of just specifically really elections and potential election fraud, it goes back to 1824 with Andrew Jackson. There was fraud in 1828, Andrew Jackson. There's been fraud in elections, uh, 1844 with James Polk and, and the Whig candidate Henry Clay. And I highlight some of this in the book. And then I talk a little bit about the presidential election as recent as 1960 uh, that dealt with Kennedy and Nixon right. and right. how the mayor up there in Illinois, Daly, 
and how he kept all those boxes from the Chicago area. He kept them close. He didn't release the results there. He waited for the southern counties, the more conservative counties in Illinois, to release the numbers. And then he just happened to have enough. He just happened to have enough numbers. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, Kennedy wins Illinois by 8,858 votes. They got 27 electorals for Kennedy, and, and, and he beats Richard Nixon. So uh, a lot of people don't know a whole lot about that. They've heard some things, but I kind of highlight this in, in the book in, in Chapter 2. But, but I, I and so sorry to go back to my question in this sense. Do, do your colleague, did your colleagues know it? I mean, we're all so conditioned by the media to say things like, well, you know, uh, we all do the best we can. And we have a lot of Republicans in office. I know a couple of secretaries of state in, in states and they said, oh, no, in my state, I did a good job. It, it, we're all conditioned to, to say, uh, to sort of, uh, I don't know, be tolerant, respectful, don't look back. When you look at it, you laid it out. It's, it's all Democrats oppressing, I mean, really oppressing black people. I mean, systemically oppressing black people and systemically cheating. I guess, but let's say it differently. When your colleagues hear this, when Republicans read this, do they go, holy cow, I never saw it that specifically. And more importantly, Congressman Nels, who we're talking to, do you sense a change in behavior? Well, I I have done several book signings, uh, and I've done a lot of book signings in my district. I've been in a couple of different states doing book signings. And some people, obviously, I will offer a book, but many, many people have already received the book off of Amazon, and they have read the book. And they will tell me, and they will say to me, they say, thank you so much for sharing some of the history, because I didn't know. Now, you're asking me about some of my colleagues here in the House of Representatives. The Republicans. Yeah. I don't have many of them talking to me about the book. And, and that's OK. I know they're they're busy and, and we're going to be voting on a CR here. A no on a CR here in the next couple of days. Continuing resolution. Yeah. But, but the point is, is that I know a lot of people uh, have either left a comment uh, or, or have sought me out personally through some social media platform and said, thank you for the education because we didn't know. We really truly didn't know. And you source your book. The book I have is all about facts. Yeah. It's factual. Um, we we're talking with Congressman uh, Troy Nels of Texas. Um, Congressman, uh, back, back to the book for a second. Uh, the chapter I was going to tell you that, I, and I, of course, it's later in the book, which I, I, I read, finished the book over the weekend, I guess. And, but late in the book, you go to, ch- you go to January 6th and you, and you set the chapter up by saying, look, let's talk about this in depth. And, and by the way, book on a, as a book on tape, it's an hour and four minutes, that chapter, that section. So it's not, this is an in-depth, uh, you know, for people that listen to books, it's a long time, right? So here's, you set up the distinction, though. You say, look, there's opera and I'm getting the terms wrong because I'm not law enforcement like you are, but operational failure uh, of like, you know, they, they they had these warnings. They weren't ready. Obviously, a bunch of the law enforcement weren't ready for what could have been predictably a, a riot or or at least a lot of problems. And and secondarily, you say. What was going on here? Like, was somebody in the midst of this? You know, was there a not just a failure of of information or a failure of conduct, but something worse here? The something worse is what the American people wonder about. Right. When when you watch the FBI storm some pro-life guy's house with guns ablaze or if you just pull back and you say Roger Stone, who I don't know if he has it in him to actually physically fight. He's got a cool tattoo and he likes to talk, but they come at him with at dawn with guns 
guns drawn, uh, you know, they're looking up and they're saying something's amiss here. Your assessment, I know you're not, you're again, you're law enforcement. You're not prone to dramatic like conspiracy. You're prone. I see the facts here. Where, what, what, what was January 6th? Was it, I mean, what, and what will we ever get to the bottom of it? Well, uh, great question, Ed. I, I believe that we can. We have the opportunity to get to the bottom of it when we take the House of Representatives over here next year in January. And I'm hoping that uh, Leader McCarthy will be the speaker. It's a done deal. And Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker of the House in January. And I know that there are going to be several committees formed, several investigations, whether it's COVID, Afghanistan, the southern border, all of it. But I hope that we do take the time to look at January 6th as well, because Benny Thompson and that committee, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinziger and everybody else, they're out there and they're just telling nothing but lies. They're not sharing truth. And the truth is January 6th, and was a law enforcement failure is what it was. They have 1,800, over 1,800 law enforcement officers with the U.S. Capitol Police. On January 6th, they couldn't account for almost 800, like 700 and change. They couldn't account for them where they were that day. And many of these officers had no clue, had no clue that, that January 6th, had a high propensity for violence that that these extremist groups are coming and and so the the leadership the leadership that i focus on in the intelligence section of the capitol police they they didn't share the information with anybody and just maybe we know the chief and them they work for nancy pelosi the sergeant at arms works for nancy pelosi i i almost believe sadly that that they could have prevented it but they they chose not to uh, we're talking again with Congressman uh, Nels of Texas. Um, his book, uh, The Big Fraud, Bombardier Books, uh, available. Uh, 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 the Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 Election, and a whole lot else. Okay, to the 2020 elections for a second, pulling back. When you see, uh, when you see the, um, when you read the Time, I think it's Time Magazine article, where the Democrats in, in I think, about uh, December of 2020, maybe it was later than that, maybe it was 2021, I'm sorry, my mind, but, the, but Molly Ball wrote it, and they're bragging about how they fortified the the election they they planned ahead of time they spent millions and tens of millions they and what they did was they said you know what and we did it all legally and when you look at what they say most of it looks legal right it's if they go into court and they get a sympathetic judge to do something that wasn't in my estimation appropriate but there you have it right and you go they go in another court and the court refuses to reverse it and so you're saying to yourself okay we're on a we're on a, a footing here with these these people fighting where they have more money more energy and more smarts I can say this is talking about run up to the 2020 election. However, they they say they stopped short of doing anything improper. Um, It doesn't pass the smell test. Right. So but how do we make that reality, either fortified it legally or cheated, whatever you want to think doesn't matter now. How do we make it a motivation to fix things? Because in your home state of Texas, they did some stuff, right? But in many, many states, they the, the energy goes out of it. And so we haven't had transparency and auditability of the machines. We haven't had a requirement of, uh, of photo ID or signature authorization, broadly speaking. We, you and me, conservatives, we're talking with Congressman Troy Nels, we don't want to federalize the election. That would be a mistake because sooner or later, somebody bad would run them. But what do we do to get our side to realize they'll do it again, especially in 2024, if we don't do something different? 
Well, and it's up it's it's up to the individual states. Of course, HR right. one, House Resolution one, yep. uh, with with Nancy Pelosi as a speaker, she wanted it got through the House. Obviously, I voted against it. It was the federal takeover of our elections, which would be horrible for America. It's up to the individual states. But what took place in 2020 under this COVID, COVID, under the color of COVID, it it, it, it Joe uh, uh, Biden declares this national emergency, and then all these governors across the country declared their own state emergencies and which gave them unique powers gave them powers but what they what they did wrong is all of a sudden they went in there and started making decisions on their own that violated their own state's election laws like the idea this governor ebers in wisconsin and i highlight that in the book he created his own safer at home it was an emergency order because of covid we all got to stay at home it's safer at home and what we're going to do is is county clerks all the county clerks in wisconsin 72 counties if 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 one of the voters that receives a, a ballot by mail application and we send everybody a ballot now because it's going to be universal because of COVID, if they say they're indefinitely confined due to an illness, don't worry about a valid ID. Don't worry about it because just say you're indefinitely confined. So what these governors and these large mayors in these liberal cities did is they wrote the rules for themselves. And it benefited, obviously, the Democrat Party because tens of hundreds, tens of thousands and millions of people voted through this this universal ballot. And that's how Democrats cheat in elections. MIT's done studies on this. If you want to cheat in an election, just send everybody a ballot by mail. Send everybody a ballot. Turn it in. Don't worry about signature verification. And I could lay out even more information on Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. I don't know if we have time for that, but I'll tell you right now. There were 1.3 million absentee ballots returned in Wisconsin. 2,981 rejected. That's two-tenths of 1%. Right. And Biden says he won by 20,000 votes. Right. No, he cheated. It, he, they cheated in Wisconsin. So so I guess what I'm what, what I'm wanting to ask you uh, again, you're, you're you know, we should say uh, Congressman uh, Troy Nels, who's uh, from Texas, is serving in the Congress. He's in his first term. You've had a lot of action in your first term. As the book says, it's like three days after you get in that January 6th happens. But, you know, you had served in the army as a officer, a reserve officer for a couple decades and then in law, law enforcement. Um, so you, you're you know, you're, you're coming at this not as a kid. You're not one of these uh, 30 year olds who was a political consultant and is now in Congress. So here you are. Uh, but when you see where the thing is going to move, we're going to have a lot of targets in the next Congress if it's a Republican Congress. And and I, what I'm saying is the persuasion of the states to understand the seriousness of it. And, and let me say it, Congressman, um, Donald Trump's his his legal um, team, it's been like it's been like uh, the the bad news bears in, in the sense that there's one guy over here and he's a pretty good thrower, but he can't catch the ball. And there's another guy over here who's you know really good at uh, hitting, but he doesn't know where first base is. Right. I mean, it feels like that, at least. And so if Trump's the candidate, for example, and, and I hope he is. But if Trump's a candidate, he, he, he I, I, you know, do we have a way to make our states realize what's at stake? Because they didn't cheat in 87 counties. 
they cheated in about eight, right? They, you, if you're smart, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't go and, and, and rob all the banks. You rob the bank that has the money. And so you go to Montgomery County and Maricopa County and Fulton County. And, and so it, can we get the, um, our team and really it's America to say, Hey, we got to change this. So we got to be a leader on this. Otherwise we'll be debating, you know, uh, all kinds of incredibly important things, you know, whether Fauci and his team was getting paid lots of money. I think they probably were, but with the elections, and, and let me put a pause and say it this way. Do you fear that 2022 will include fraud because we didn't really address some of these problems? I, I'm sure there's going to be some fraud as far as, as it relates to the magnitude of the fraud. Listen, when, when you have this emergency declaration, and now Biden said the other day, COVID is no longer. So get rid of the emergency declaration. Mm-hmm. Don't allow these governors to just do uh, unilateral. They, they, they made all these decisions. And, and in Texas, we have a great governor, but the governor never called back the legislature, the state legislature, when it comes to some of these decisions relating to COVID about shutting down schools and this and that. And, and they kind of dinged him a few times for that. But he had the authority to do it underneath this executive uh, emergency, this national emergency. So I believe that what took Donald Trump down in the 2020 election was COVID because it, it, it brought on universal ballot. Everybody received the ballot. Everybody that wanted a ballot received the ballot. And there was very little accountability when those ballots were returned. If you look at Pennsylvania, you look at Wisconsin, you look at some of these key states, these swing states, there was an enormous amount of fraud in those elections. And and, and the people, the people have to understand that that 70 the big fraud the big uh, the big fraud talks about how big tech and the dishonest media they were all working with each other zuckerberg all of them working together and they convinced believe it and 70 percent of the american people on election night didn't think we would have a, a, a we would be able to announce a winner on election night that's how much uh uh that's is it's 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 how dangerous the media has now that the American people cannot expect an election on November eighth coming up on November eighth. The American people are going to say, "Well, we won't know the winner on on November eighth, even that's election day. It's going to be days or weeks later because that's where the fraud comes in. We're going to accept ballot by mail three, four, five, six days after, like they did in Pennsylvania for three days. Mm. They said all the mail and ballots coming after election, we'll take it. We'll take them." And yeah. so these are the things that we need to be concerned about, Ed. But I tell you something, on election night, on election night in this country, presidential election 2020, I went to bed saying, thinking Trump was the winner. Yeah, of he course. He won the election. He yeah. won the election. He won 18 of the 19 bellwether counties. He won Ohio and Florida. And they're very good at picking presidents. They've done it. They've only been wrong twice in, in the last hundred and something years. And, and so he's been they've been right. And, and Trump won them all. He wins them all. But yet he loses two days later, three days later, a week later. It's all because of the universal ballot by mail. And we won't have it 
We will uh, not have it in 2022 or 2024. Well, our, our guest has been Troy Nels, congressman from Texas. His book is The Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 election, and a whole lot else, uh, Bombardier books. Congressman, I have to say, I, and I, I'm ter- totally serious, there's really smart guys up in the Capitol that, that have been around forever that are good guys, really good guys. I, I'm, I'm a fan of your colleague in Texas, Pete Sessions. Uh, but I, it feels to me like somebody's got to let you loose as a, as a spokesperson, as a spokesman for these sets of issues, because you're believable and you know it. And we, and they got to let, they got to let some of the hard chargers go. Even if, you know, McCarthy's going to have all his different people. They're going to do li- clever things. I hope your, your issues and this big fraud, what you're doing here really gets out there to the grassroots who say, aha. And then they go and, and, and are ready for the next, uh, cycle. And until then, as, uh, somebody said recently, we got to swamp the swamp by voting swamp the polls by going to vote everybody and your brother you know get them out there and vote for uh, for the good guys so thank you for writing this book and for spending so much time with us and, and, and last point yeah please and this please. is this is history now this is good for your viewer your listener grover cleveland donald trump think about those two individuals yep grover cleveland and donald trump were the only ones up for re-election and they had more votes in their re-elect than they did in their initial election and they lost. They right. lost. <laughs> even even with Grover Cleveland having twelve percent more in his reelect and Donald Trump having eighteen percent. But guess what happens in, with Grover Cleveland in nineteen ninety two? He comes back and he wins. Right. Donald Trump is going to do what Grover Cleveland did in eighteen ninety two, and <sighs> Donald Trump's going to be the forty seventh president. All right. Well, I think uh, from your lips to God's ear, Congressman uh, Troy Nels. Again, the book is "The Big Fraud: What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January Sixth, the twenty twenty election, and a whole lot else." Uh, Uh, available everywhere you get books. Thanks a lot, Congressman. Thank you. God bless. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Ted Malik. Ted Malik, of course, is a uh, best-selling author, has written numerous books, essays, a million things, taught all over the world at all the biggest institutions, was on the inside of Davos and all those uh, globalists, as uh, he called himself one of his books, a global Sherpa, and uh, businessman, et cetera, et cetera. But even when we were talking off the air, he six years lived in Florida. Uh, I think he said six years. I might be getting it backwards. Six years there and faced four hurricanes. So what's happening down in Florida right now hits home for him even though he is not living in florida now he's on the other coast so welcome back ted what's your what's your thoughts today as you're watching all this yeah i'm not a meteorologist i do <laughs> want to send out my concerns and prayers to all of the good people of florida i know they're prepared and this is going to be a catastrophic they say now category five storm so we have to keep them in our in our prayers, as I say, the only thing worse than this hurricane is the catastrophic presidency of Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and not to make light, as you know, I was texting as uh, with I'm sure you are with friends down there and they're getting ready. And, you know, the, the, the problem is you sort of know how to get ready. You don't know how it's what it's really like and you don't know what level it'll be. They say it's going to be this going to be that. And it just changes. So be safe, everybody. And uh, and obviously it's a good it's a good way to pray. Speaking of praying, um, Ted, I read your piece that's over at American Greatness, ran a few days ago, on the Queen, and it's service leadership. And I have to tell you, because I'm a simple-minded guy, I was kind of... I was kind of lined up to think she didn't do that much. She was really rich. 
and she was there a long time. Now, longevity has its uh, has its impact. So but as I read this, I thought, well, I'm getting this right. I don't really mean that. I, I knew the things she'd done. I knew that she'd been uh, a pretty strong moral force. And maybe more importantly for England in a time when they went from being an empire to being uh, a nation uh, much different. She kept it anchored. So in some ways, it's probably the best. Uh, she may have been the best person to be at that moment in history that you could imagine. Um, so I, I really do appreciate her. I'm sort of uh, uh, overstating my doubts. But you really write about this, I think, like a conservative that she really did something spectacular. Well, again, I'm not a monarchist. We are Americans. We did fight a war of independence. Right. We have no obligation to the queen. We're not part of the Commonwealth. But I think, uh, and I do try in this piece because I live there, uh, knew some of the members of the royal family and many people in the aristocracy. I do try to remember her, uh, given her good grace, which was overwhelming, the way she effectively carried both herself and her duties, and as I say, her dedicated service to her nation. And that was true her whole life. I mean, when I think about this, she came into that position at a young age uh, after the death of her father, the year I was born. Mm. And she's been in that position uh, in, with some honor, as I say, for over seven decades. It's, it's really quite an incredible life lived. And we saw that. Now, that was only a week ago, Ed, so how quick the news yeah, moved. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, in that funeral, which was um, really uh, uh, quite a riveting and uh, overpowering event. But I, I think what we need to take away from it is this uh, most evident thing that the queen was a true servant leader. And those of us who um, study the Bible and um, those of us who know about that concept obviously see that in her. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik. Um, Ted, I really liked, actually, it was a surprise to me because I thought, OK, you know, we're going to get reflections on this. You you, you cited um, uh, the book, uh, Jim Collins book, and and not the one that uh, people often know, Good to Great. It's yeah. it's an, uh, built to last. And and I think that's what I meant, sort of. And you, you go into this, that um, she, she, the queen, really gave England uh, secure footing sort of a decade. I was going to say year to year, but decade to decade. And that sort of she infused into the culture there a stability, but it wasn't just stable. It was it sort of had meaning, right? I mean, it's it was more than just stable. Something can be stable. It was sort of stable and I don't know, Christian stable and uh, and kind of community based. It was very effective. It was um, the subtitle of, of Jim's uh, book, which was one of the biggest selling business books of all time, was Successful Habits of Visionary Companies. I'm not suggesting, obviously, that the monarchy is a company is run on a for-profit basis. But what I'm saying is that these organizations, let's stretch the concept to not-for-profits, and in this case, even to a governmental uh, institution, they can become habituated with meaning. They could infuse it into their ideology, into the way they actually do business. And I think the Queen practiced this uh, well before any book on this subject. It actually, as I say, pulsed through her veins. It was very much who she was. Uh, and, 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 and it was overwhelming when you look back on it in a longer and enduring and a deeper kind of fashion. Uh, we're talking again with Ted Malik. His piece is over at American Greatness, uh, American Greatness, uh, amgreatness.com is the website. A lot of great writing there. Um, it, do you do you wonder when you watch it? You know, it's kind of like um, 
Um, you, you know, I hate that this is imperfect, of course, completely. But after Reagan, whoever was the president, George H.W. Bush, in this case, you know, he's going to look uh, he's going to pale by comparison. And uh, and he did. Right. And and probably contributed to losing, although maybe not. I don't know. That's too easy to do. But but do you worry about the future for England? I, I mean, we, you know, caveat offered that we're we're not monarchists, but I do think the monarchy for England, very stable, uh, very helpful. Uh, and they and, and of course, very, in my estimation, based in theology. So, you know, transcendent, too. So I'm, I'm all for aspects of it. But do you worry, Ted, about the the stability and the vision visionary uh, leadership she had because it's on to the next. I think that's always the case with great leadership, whether that's in a company where you have a CEO, you know, who's been there for 20, 25 years and basically, you know, enculturated himself into that business when he or she leaves, it does go through a period of change of transformation and, and it doesn't always work out well. Uh, and if you look back on the, you know, the long concept of uh, uh, monarchy, both in the United Kingdom and elsewhere, you know, there have been good and bad and lots of mediocre people in that position. Um, I think she was extraordinary in, in her long lived, the most, uh, the longest ever monarch, uh, but also in the way she conducted herself. Uh, is that likely to find, uh, <laughs> what can I say, renewal in her son? We can hope for that, but I think not. Yeah, it uh, it seems unlikely. I mean, it seems unlikely. On the other hand, perhaps it's one of these things where, you know, he's not a kid either. Maybe he serves for a few years and then it's on to the next generation. We'll see. Um, uh, Ted, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, because, again, your experience all over the world, uh, your observations on the Italian election and what what you see, what it means. Uh, One thing people don't realize, which maybe you can comment, is the Italian government you know, the average length of Italian government is like, I don't know, 15 months or something. It's not very long. So it could be that Georgia Maloney is uh, is having a great couple of months. And by a year from this Christmas, she'll be out of office. Right. I mean, it, but it is something to watch the press and the media go crazy cr- criticizing her. So I wrote a piece yesterday. It'll appear soon called Grande Nuovo which uh-huh. of course you speak Italian. Yeah. Italy. And uh, I, I, I know Georgia. Uh, she's a feisty, charismatic, uh, really fantastic woman. She loves God. She is in favor of the family, and she wants her country, Italy, to be great. Um, she is not a fascist. She has no ties to fascism whatsoever. She's a right-of-center conservative, and I don't think anybody particularly in the news media, should make her a smear or something else. Um, I think it's a great uh, election. I saw the result coming. It was a snap election after the fall of the Draghi technocratic government. Uh, This is a coalition, so you're right. And Italian politics is full of short-lived regimes. But she has a coalition government with uh, Berlusconi's Forza, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is an old uh, sort of center-right party. And uh, the other party, which I know extremely well, which is uh, Matteo Salvini's um, Lega, Party of the North, the League. And together, of course, they've they've now put together a a coalition that will, will be forming a new government in November. She will be the prime minister. I believe that Salvini will be, again, the minister of interior. And you will find a very strong a very populist 
uh, very conservative government in Italy, and it's driving the European Union uh, <laughs> leaders bonkers, which I love. Yeah. A uh, uh, last um, last thought on that is um, does does she. In, does she how does she weather does she have a different um, vision for the economy i mean she's got to she's got to worry about um I, I hate to do it everybody does it though hungary's worried about it poland's worried about it they all need to get the money from the eu that they've contributed in and the italians especially i, I mean that's the biggest problem in europe right now is the economy is headed to the, into the tank right oh yeah no the, it's a major problem and the uh, you know the gas situation and the fact that it looks like Joe Biden just blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, which yeah. I believe is an act of war. Mm. I mean, we had an admission of this from Victoria Newland earlier this week. So please tell me it's not true, but it looks true. Right. I go through Dante's circle of hell, which uh, y- your readers would appreciate, uh, and talk about where Italy has been on that circle of hell uh, and and all of the uh, you know, uh, fraud and treachery and heresy and violence, anger, greed, etc. That Dante spelled out in terms of a, a, a recent Italian political history, and I think that uh, Miss Maloney can break that circle of hell. Yeah. <laughs> we'll the see. Foundations of God, family, and nation. She's pretty good. Have- yeah, pretty good. Uh, reimagined Italy. I was excited that uh, one of the lunatic lefties compared uh, Georgia Maloney to uh, uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly. I thought that was a good sign for all. all, is, all that, it, it, there is. There are. I, I compare her to Margaret Thatcher yeah. and a couple of other strong leaders, female leaders I would compare her to. But Phyllis Schlafly is a pretty good comparison. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, pretty good. All right. Ted Malik, I got to run. As always, Ted Malik over at American Greatness. He's always writing. We already got the preview of the next one. So, uh, Ted, we'll talk again soon. And uh, thank you for your time. Great. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Every year, parents are shocked by what their children are taught in public schools. Many high school students have been misinformed about our Constitution and founding fathers. Liberal educators have been known to omit important topics to suit their own agenda. However, California parents are more worried about what will not be omitted in the classroom this fall. The California Board of Education has approved curriculum changes that will highlight so-called LGBT history. What's even more shocking is these lessons will start as early as the second grade. Public schools should not be places where liberals can indoctrinate young people with their personal biases. Schools should be where young people are given the tools they need to form their own opinions on issues. Political correctness leaves room for only one side to be presented. Parents should not trust educators who claim the schools can teach the LGBT agenda without cutting other important things. Those same educators also claim there's no time to study our Constitution. The biggest problem of this California curriculum change is that it removes power from parents. Mothers and fathers should be the ones to decide 
when their children can learn about these issues. And most parents would agree that second grade is far too young. Parents should have the right to make decisions about their children's education. Unfortunately, liberal activists do not care about the rights of parents or children. This is only one example of how the radical gay rights movement ultimately wants to undermine the American family. The traditional family unit is the foundation of American society and should be supported in every way possible. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, that's a great show. I am sorry that we had to move so quickly uh, because we had these great interviews, but I want to remind you, uh, please consider buying that book by Troy Nels, Congressman Troy Nels, N-E-H-L-S, The Big Fraud. It's Bombardier Books. It's extraordinary, really helpful. We need him to be a voice going forward into the future on all these issues because he's fearless, former sheriff. Former Army, uh, uh, long time, 23 years, I think, in the Army Reserves, and now a congressman, fearless. And it's a really good book. I, ca- I was careful in my interview with him. I didn't want to say it wrong. Uh, it's so good. I, I almost thought somebody ghostwrited for him. They might have. I didn't ask him. But it's so good. It's really, really wonderful, especially on voter fraud. So check it out. All right, we'll be back. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great, great producer. Uh, Joanna Spilger, associate producer. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.